something to say. Hello everybody and welcome to this episode of Project Shadow. My name's Charlie. You might know me better as sci-fi fantasy writer C.E. Dorset, and today we're going to be talking about how the landscape for entertainment is changing, especially in light of the recent Apple announcements. Now, if you are not an Apple fan, don't worry. This isn't like going to be a bunch of fan girling over the announcements and what's to come with the exception of oh my goodness they're giving steven spielberg a sci-fi anthology series and they bought the at least the naming rights to amazing stories that's exciting i i can't wait for that and we'll probably be talking about that on the show but it's more the way the entertainment landscape is changing and how that gets solidified and crystallized in the latest announcement by Apple. So, yeah, kind of a meta topic today. One of the things that has been changing a lot over the years is our understanding of the entertainment that we participate in, be that reading, listening, watching, or playing. And... For me, this entire experience really started changing when I started playing MMOs for the first time. And that was sort of a revelation for me. I mean, I started playing way back in the Ultima Online days. And this idea that you subscribed to a game... And you paid them every month so that where you could continue playing in this world and really delve in deep into the community that formed around it. And <clears throat> I played through various different games, and I'm not going to go through my whole MMO history, but it was a very different experience. Prior to that, the only thing that I had ever really subscribed to before would be comic books, but... That was different, because the way, at least I grew up, with comic book subscriptions, is you went down to your local comic shop, you told them which ones you wanted to read, they would pull them and have them waiting for you when you went in. So you go in, you tell them you're here for your subscriptions, they'd open up the box, find your name, pull out the collection of comics, you give them the money, and then you go. But MMOs started changing that. And then for me, Audible was next, where I give them money, they give me credits, and with those credits, I buy books. And I have listened to quite a few audiobooks over the years doing that. But that changes your relationship to the media in that I don't really feel like I buy audiobooks because they're just there. I have my two credits that I get every month, and I look around, I find stuff, sometimes I pre-order, and I get them. Then came Kindle Unlimited, and 
that kind of commodification spread to other kinds of books, be it nonfiction or fiction. And then came Patreon. And Patreon's something that I've struggled with as a creator because, you know, I don't want to lie to my audience and I spend so much time doing things that it's hard, at least for me, to come up with ancillary bonus things that I can give away while doing it. But almost every creator that I'm really into, be it from YouTube or podcast or even several novelists, have a Patreon now. And you can pay them on a monthly recurring basis, usually, and that helps support what they're doing. Subscriptions are the way of things now. Whether or not that is a good idea, or whether or not that is going to be the way that things go. After all, the MMO model eventually kind of collapsed on itself, and there are very few games that are still give us a monthly subscription, and you get to play the game. Most of them have gone free-to-play, which... <sighs> We're not going to talk about that. It's an entirely different episode. But this subscription model has been spreading to the point where... If you want to watch Game of Thrones, you need to have your HBO Now subscription. Or if you want to watch American Gods, you need to subscribe to the Stars app. If you want to watch Star Trek Discovery, well, you need to subscribe to CBS All Access. Sorry, I have a thing with them. Again, whole other episode. And now we have the Disney app coming which is going to be a major game-changer for a lot of things. And today, as I'm recording this, Apple announced a whole mess of subscription services. Not just one, not two, but three. And I'm going to ignore the credit card right now because that's not really a thing for this show. But, yeah, they also announced their own credit card. So now, if you want access to magazines and newspapers-ish, they have a subscription for that, and you can get into News Plus. If you're into games, they now have Apple Arcade. You subscribe for 10 bucks a month, and you get access to all the games in Apple Arcade. And I would have said no to something like that, and then they bring out Sekiguchi and... I love Final Fantasy. Y'all know how much I love Final Fantasy. And I can't wait to see what Sakaguchi does, because I'm just that kind of a person. And then, of course, Apple TV Channels and Apple TV Plus. Which is a new subscription video service. And that's not even counting Apple Music, which I'm already a subscriber to. And as a creator, and I, I don't really like that term, but it seems to be the one that the culture has adopted for itself, I, I have mixed feelings about Apple Music, Spotify, Tidal, whatever else is out there, <laughs> because as a consumer of music, I can't imagine not having it. Because being able to listen to whatever I want, whenever I want, however I want to hear it, is amazing. 
and it was so liberating, and it brought me back into music in a way that I really hadn't been since I was in high school. And that's powerful. I mean, there are so many artists like Aviva or Lizzo before she blew up, or Nawaz or you know Raven Age that I wouldn't be listening to if it wasn't for the service because th- they percolated up and I discovered them and found that I really liked them and started listening to them. And I know that it's not necessarily the best model for artists to get paid, but, you know, without Apple Music and, you know, Kindle Unlimited, I don't know how much music or books I would really be exposing myself to, because I use them a lot. And as a writer, I know the nightmare fuel that comes from Kindle Unlimited and how much they're going to pay you because they calculate these weird page reads and you get paid per page that people read of your stuff. And, you know, Apple Music people get paid based off of how many listens, how many plays a song gets. And, well, now that's being done for video. And I don't know how that's going to change things as far as how people are compensated for that. But the one thing that this has changed more than anything is the relationship between the artist and the customer, the fan. Because I'm able, as a, you know, fan of music, let's just kind of hone in on music because I have a lot of experience with that, right? As a fan of music, I am able to find, listen to, and experience a lot of music that I never would have found before if it wasn't for a streaming service. Like, I wouldn't know that I like grime or Afrobeat music. I would never know that if it wasn't for streaming services that opened up the possibility for me to listen to these kinds of music that I normally wouldn't listen to. You know, I'm kind of more into metal and dark, gothy, dark wave kind of things. And I probably, like most people my age, I'm 42, would have been kind of set in my bubble of, you know, the music I grew up with being the music that I still listen to. And while that is often the case, I find myself listening to Mr. Easy and all of these other artists that I never would have known their names. I wouldn't have been a giant fan of Stormzy if it wasn't for these services. So there is some utility to the artist in being able to be discovered by an audience that might not be able to find you otherwise. Having said that, the compensation is a problem and the relationship that people have with your product is a problem. And I don't know how we are going to cope with that. And I've been thinking about this a lot because I have a new book coming out, a new series coming out. The first book in the Mask of the Gods series, Crucify My Love, should be out soon. And I've been debating exactly where it should live. Should it be available on Audible? Should I make a podcast out of it? Should it be available to my patrons, or should I accept the confines of 
exclusivity that come with being on Kindle Unlimited. These are all things that you have to think about on the creative side that isn't really that transparent to the people on the consumption side. As excited as I am about Apple Arcade, just because I, you know, if if you know anything about me, you know I live in the house that Apple built. I'm recording this on a Mac with my iPhone and iPad right next to me. I have an Apple TV. I even have a HomePod. Yeah, we're that house. I draw with an Apple Pencil on an iPad Pro. You know, <laughs> this is the house that Apple built. So that's a service that's really targeted at somebody like me who likes to play video games but doesn't have a large budget. Ten bucks a month. Hey, if I find some good games in there, that's totally worth it because I'm always looking for a new game to play, and that would be really fun. But now, my own personal relationship with the games I play isn't going to be like the relationship I have with the producers on Steam. There are certain companies, you know, production companies on Steam, that I have come to realize that I just like the kinds of games that they put out. And so, when they put out a new game, I'm more apt to check it out. But because money is limited and is a very finite resource in our capitalist society right now, there's debate over whether I will actually play that game. So this is where the idea of the service starts begging questions. I'm going to be able to play a lot more games off of a service like Apple Arcade than I ever have off Steam because I see a game that I like, like, you know, there are several actually that are in my wish list right now on Steam that I kind of want to play. But, you know, I have a very limited budget when it comes to buying video games and I find myself in a state of paralysis over which game I should buy because, you know, I don't want to make the wrong decision. And yeah, I know they have a return policy and all that, but that's not the point. I get really tied up on whether or not I should play this game or that game. And so I generally default to not buying anything. So when I look at my own consumer behavior, the idea of a streaming service for games where I pay my membership fee and get to play the games that are available, well, that kind of makes sense. That's kind of a cool idea. Now, that's a cool idea so long as they have games that I want to play. You know, I wouldn't be as interested if they didn't have Sakaguchi making a game for them. <laughs> Let's be honest. But I don't want to be subscriptioned to death. I don't want to have to pay a Nintendo subscription fee and a Sega and a fill-in-the-blank, fill-in-the-blank, fill-in-the-blank. Because that's kind of where I am with video right now. And that's not a good thing. So season two of American Gods has started, and I really enjoyed season one. I went to see season two. I am not a habitual subscriber to stars. They don't have anything else that I want to see. So last season, I subscribed for American Gods, and when American Gods was over, I unsubscribed. I did the same thing with CBS All Access. I don't really care about the other shows that they have. I watched Star Trek Discovery, and then I canceled. 
thus why they're rolling out a whole bunch of other Star Trek shows that they're hoping that they can hook me on and make me pay more around the year. And I hate it when things start getting labeled with the word fatigue. That, oh, I'm just suffering from subscription fatigue. No, I'm not suffering from subscription fatigue. I just don't want to have too many. Because everything has to fit in my budget, and like I said, my budget is tight. I don't make, you know, buku amounts of money. So, like most people, I have to pick and choose what I may or may not subscribe to very carefully. Well, if I subscribe to Apple Arcade, I'm now less likely to subscribe to BritBox or to Stars or any of these other services. I'll really be taking into effect how much do I really enjoy my HBO Now subscription, which honestly lately hasn't been all that much. I kind of like Insecure, but, you know, it's not really my thing. Ballers is okay. I, I, I'll watch pretty much anything that has The Rock in it, so that doesn't really, you know, qualify as a success on their part. So, you know, it. this is where everything starts getting bundled up. And remember when we talked about can Disney ever be a monopoly? Well, in our house, it probably will be because they're going to have Marvel stuff and Star Wars stuff and probably a whole bunch of other stuff that we're going to want to watch. So we're probably going to have a Disney Plus subscription when it comes out. Which means we're not going to have other subscriptions. It's going to take the place of something. And it will probably push out other things. At least while we're enjoying it and while we're having fun with it. But what's it going to push out? I love my DC Universe subscription because I get to read DC Comics again. And that makes me very happy. I love my Marvel Unlimited subscription because I get to read Marvel Comics again. And that makes me very happy. But there's a lot of stuff by IDW and other comic producers that I kind of want, but I wasn't reading enough of them to justify just the regular app subscription that I had to them. So, yeah, I made a decision and cut a lot of comics out that otherwise I probably would be reading. And that's, in some ways the problem that these services are going to be putting forward. They're going to be dividing and subdividing the market in a way that we've never really had as a culture, at least not for a very long time. When I grew up, you know, I'm old enough to remember when cable first became a thing. We literally had the three networks and I remember when we got HBO for the first time and what a revelation it was because they had movies and they weren't like edited, cut up movies with commercials in it. It was magic. And I remember MTV when it first started and all of that. But whether it was the over the air antenna services that we had before or the early cable services that we had, we all had essentially the same cultural pot to be picking from because the only option was what channel did you watch and which channel did you give your time to now 
with everything being appified and not only appified but put behind its own subscription paywall that that question and that calculus really changes i do a lot of talk on this channel about star trek discovery every week but i know that a lot of the star trek fans that i know in my real life they just can't find a place in their budget for star trek discovery for the cbs all access app and so the show that they used to get over the air that they could watch with commercials is now beyond their reach simply because you know times are tough for a lot of us and it's not always easy to do that five or ten bu buck a month subscription and that's the other weird thing that they do five dollars a month you still get commercials 10 bucks a month no commercials yeah that's a choice that you have to make and it's a choice that not everybody is comfortable with because if you're paying somebody five bucks a month then you don't want commercials because you're paying for it and that feels weird and that turned a lot of those people off and now as more and more things are going behind these paywalls into these exclusive apps channels whatever we're going to end up calling them these subscription services are really becoming an issue I have several friends that don't have access to Netflix because the internet at their house is not that good. So streaming services for video are kind of out of the question because they can't get good quality streaming. The internet's just not built for it around there because I live in the middle of nowhere and a lot of my friends do too. So while I'm watching things on Netflix, like Stranger Things and The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, they're completely out of it. Because even if they wanted to and had the money to pay for a Netflix subscription, the service that they have access to doesn't work well enough for them to reliably stream that show. So they don't get to see it. And these are some of the things that we haven't really started thinking about. This is a way that we are being divided. I love The Expanse, and I love the fact that it was rescued from cancellation by Amazon Prime, so I get to watch more, and I can't wait for the new season to start. But you have to have a subscription to Amazon Prime. You have to have a t television or device that's capable of streaming Amazon Prime, which now is pretty much any, like most smart TVs can do it. But you also have to have the internet service that can allow you to stream a high def stream without it just becoming a nightmare. That's a lot of things that we haven't quite figured out in our society yet. And so something that once upon a time could have been a major cultural phenomenon like Star Trek gets buried. In a lot of ways, I think that's what made The Expanse kind of the cult classic that it is because they really made it hard to stream. So you kind of had to watch it when it was live on TV. And if for any reason you didn't set your schedule up so that you could sit down and watch it when it was airing you didn't see it 
and that left a lot of people out. And now it's behind an Amazon paywall. So if you don't have access to that, you're left out. And that makes it harder for it to really be a ubiquitous hit. There are a lot of ramifications of this entertainment-as-a-service industry that we are starting to enter that we haven't thought about, and we haven't thought through. As much as I'm excited for the new Steven Spielberg Amazing Stories series, because I used to read Amazing Stories when I was a kid, and I, I remember going to a comic book shop that had back issues and buying them and reading them and that, that's something that means something to me, and Spielberg's and sci-fi, I mean, need I say more? But no matter how excited I am, I'm going to have a limited number of people that I can talk to about this experience, because it's going to be behind a paywall. If you're not paying for Apple+, Plus, Apple TV+, Plus, then you're not going to see it. And... That's going to make it harder for me to participate in a fandom around it. Some of the other new shows that they announced sound amazing, like C, Jason Momoa, and Alfre Wooder. World where everyone is blind. That sounds interesting, and I'm curious to see what that looks like and how that plays out as a show concept. But the number of people I can talk to about it are only people that have that subscription because we're beyond the days of over-the-air broadcast television. So what does the success mean? What does a fandom mean? How are we going to negotiate these platforms? How are we going to negotiate these changes? See, for me, I want my fiction to be everywhere, but I find myself personally upset with some of the deals that I would have to make. The amount of money I have to give up for my book to be on Audible should I decide to go forward with the podcast of the book, which I really want to do, is ridiculous. And personally, I find a little bit insulting because they want exclusivity. They want to be the only one that has it. And all of these services are striving for exclusivity. Well, for someone like me, that's a problem. For Steven Spielberg, I'm, I'm very likely to sign up to watch a Steven Spielberg show. Because, I mean, Jaws and Indiana Jones and third, you know, Close Encounters of the Third Kind and on and on and on I could go, right? I'm not Steven Spielberg. Nobody knows my name. Nobody knows who I am. So, you're going to have to give me something to make me want to make my content exclusive. But see, they see it as a privilege. Most people get their audiobooks from Audible, so if you want the privilege of being in our catalog, you either give us exclusivity or you give us the majority of the money base brought in by the product. Yeah, it makes me just kind of want to say, well, to hell with you. But can I afford to do that? I'm a small writer. I'm building an audience over time, so I kind of need to be wherever I can be. 
but it's all biting me in the butt, right? I want my book to be everywhere, but if it's not exclusive to Amazon, it can't be in Kindle Unlimited. If it's not in Kindle Unlimited, a lot of people who read are not going to read it because, like me, their book budget is spent on Kindle Unlimited. Even if it is available to read free somewhere else, sponsored by patrons. This is a scary world that we're hurling towards. And I can see it from both sides. It makes sense for Disney to put all their stuff together so that they can make all the money. It really does make sense. Because, you know, you have those old Disney movies and old Disney specials and stuff that give me all the nostalgia feels. I'll probably sign up and watch. You give me new stuff, like The Mandalorian and some of the Marvel shows that have been announced. Yeah, I'm probably going to give you money. Because you've already established yourself as a brand that I love. Because Star Wars came out the year I was born. It's a little bit older than I am. We're both were born in 76. But for someone like me, who is a new creator, it poses all kinds of challenges and puts up hurdles that I don't know how I want to get past. And there's nothing that somebody like me can do to stop this new phase of content distribution. It will be what it will be until something else comes along and changes it. But it is something we need to be thinking about, both as creators and consumers, to make wise choices and support the art that we love and develop mechanisms to find it wherever it is. Wish I had a better solution than that. If you liked this episode and you can rate either this episode or the podcast in general in whatever app you're listening to me on, please do so. That helps me out a lot. That tells the algorithm to share me with more people. And that would be a wonderful thing. If you've got a book you can throw my way down in the show notes, you'll see a link that says Anchor Community Support. If you click that, you can join the project at the $1, $5, or $10 levels. That helps me out a lot. That helps me do everything that I do. Whether you have the money or just don't feel like it and just don't feel like it or just don't have the money, whatever, man, if you like this show and you can help me by telling other people about it and helping to spread the word, that would mean the world to me and would help out tremendously. If you have a question, comment, or topic you'd like to hear discussed on the show, you can either hit me up on Twitter, I'm C.E. Dorset on Twitter, or you can go to anchor.fm, download the Anchor app, follow Project Shadow, then you'll see a little button that says voice message. If you click that, you can leave me up to a one-minute message, and be a question, a comment, or a topic you'd like me to discuss on the show. Keep it clean so I can use it. And let's make this our podcast. So I think that would be a lot, a lot of fun. Yeah, got a lot of thoughts and feels about this today. Anywho, until next time, don't forget, have the fun. Bye.